Welcome in to the Craig Houston Show, man. We're going to get directly down into a topic that I think is going to be near and dear to a lot of people and can affect the audience overall from a listening experience, viewing experience, whether you listen to this in audio form or viewing this on YouTube. Man, we're going to talk about this in such detail and dialogue when it comes to home ownership that I definitely want you to pay attention to this. If you are definitely in the market to buying a home, you definitely want to be locked in here with us because what I'm going to talk about today should be something that not only can affect you, but could affect someone that you know and definitely want to give them this information as we get started on the journey of where the Craig Houston Show is actually trying to go. And that's bringing you financial information in the way that needs to be handled in our community. So we're going to break it down today. Uh, basically, it's showing you exactly how you need to understand where the market was at prior to the pandemic and where we're seeing the market at today after the pandemic. And that's going to be giving you a lot of information and dialogue because those are two separate markets that I believe that you need to understand from a bigger scope and bigger perspective on how those things were actually coming to fruition and how this can play out for you to you can actually use this to your advantage to come up with a best possible scenario for you to gain home ownership. So you got to stay with me and you got to lock in for it. And if you like this type of content that I'm going to be providing you on a consistent basis going forward, definitely, 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 definitely go ahead and subscribe to the channel on YouTube. And if you definitely listen to this to your own favorite streaming service, go ahead and follow me over there and definitely leave us a review too over there. Let me know exactly how you feel about the content that we are providing you. And man, if anything in this video today or this streaming that you're listening to actually impacts you in some type of way to motivate you to want to leave me a DM on Instagram or Twitter, do that as well too, because I'm going to be checking those comments and following you along as well too, to understand more in depth of how I can help you, the listener. So let's start with 2014, okay? We got into the home market in 2014. That's right around 30 years old for me. And we was actually looking to get our home. We moved to San Diego County. Uh, we got our home. We got into that place and basically essentially got into that place for uh, for free 99. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But really and truly, that was the first step in our wealth asset journey, which actually opened up a lot more doors for people when you don't realize that when you're in home ownership, you get more opportunity. There's more stresses that goes with it, too. But at the same time, you give yourself a better opportunity to start creating wealth. Start building up more assets versus less liabilities. And that's what's more important. And I believe that this is going to be a conversation that we're going to have today where I want to kind of just give you the scope. I kind of want to give you the tools, kind of want to give you the, the accessories, the tips that you need to actually pay attention to as you're going into this market and to actually deep dive a bit with you on how this can be very impactful to what the scenarios could be that you can essentially deal with. Now, what I want to do is actually break down where were we at in 2014 to all the way to when we announced that the pandemic was really real and it was not going to be something that we was not going to be able to deal with and ignore any longer in March of 2020. And then what I want to do is look at that post-pandemic era after we made that announcement to where we're at now currently in the marketplace and kind of give you an idea of what those two scenarios look like and how you can use these to understand whether you're motivated in the market to buy today 
or you're going to be motivated to buy in the market later because all this is going to be a revolving circle. It's a revolving door, folks. And that's what I really want to break down for you is to give you the know-how that you can actually move in this market the way that you want to if you set yourself up the correct way. And we're going to talk about those things with those tools. So let's very much start with where I want to go off into this whole situation and this analysis of mine that I have. So in 2014, we actually bought this home. Um, and like I said, it was in California. And basically what we did here was we used our VA loan, which we're going to go back through and talk about the VA loan here. So if you're a first time listener here on this channel or listen to this on the streaming service for the first time, I'm in the military. I'm approaching 20 years of service in September um, and kind of getting ready for that transitional period of life. But we are not there just yet. But I do want to make sure that you understand that if you are an active duty service member, you have the right to a better uh, to using the VA loan. If you're a reservist, if you serve this country in some type of form or fashion, you have the right to a veterans assistance loan. Okay, so through the VA. So and basically that means that you don't have to put no money down on the home, no down payment. You don't have to pay that three and a half percent to twenty percent interest, a uh, twenty percent down payment on the home. And then you don't have to necessarily have to pay uh, PMI insurance as well, which is if you don't put 20% down on a conventional loan, you would actually have to. If you go with FHA loan, you can put 3.5% down minimum, but you still got to deal with PMI insurance as well. So private mortgage insurance for those who don't understand that. But then there's another alternative of the USDA, the United States Department of Agriculture loan as well, too, that you can actually pay for as well as a loan asset to get into a home. But in my instance, we use the VA loan, which means that we have to pay a funding fee, okay? Basically, you have to pay that funding fee to actually um, fund the loan and actually put back into the loan is the, the, the pot of money that the VA uses to actually fund other veterans' loans, okay? So you have to pay that funding fee, so you have to pay that, and you have to put zero money down, and you don't have to pay no private mortgage insurance, but you are responsible for your own closing costs. Now, typically, we understand that closing costs are somewhere in the range of 3 to 5% of the purchase price, typically, okay? So, in some cases, you can have to pay that. In some cases, you can get the buy the seller to actually cover those closing costs for you. Now, in our situation... We essentially had the seller actually cover our closing costs. So we only had to come out of money in two ways. That was actually paying for the appraisal and then having to actually pay for the termite inspection. Pretty much everything else the seller either cover or the lender even cover or as a first time home buyer, someone else covered it. And we basically walked to the house for essentially, let's call it $800. Okay. Now, getting a piece of property in 2014. For about $800 when it's worth over $300,000 is insane. That is a great return on that $800 because $800, you're controlling the asset for that amount of money. And that's the type of market that we was in in 2014 if you're following along with me. So now we held on to that house until March of 2020. And then during that period of time, this is at the, at the peak uh, when the pandemic is just being recognized as something that we needed to not shy away from. And we sold that home in less than a week. And come to my knowledge, now that we all seen this common knowledge today, is that most homes are not sitting on the market more than 10 days or so at this point in time, 
especially at the peak when the and when the Federal Reserve actually went to negative interest rates and mortgage rates came down to about 2.3, 2.4%. And everyone and their mom was actually going out to buy these mortgages or refinancing their mortgage to actually take advantage of those very, very low, historically low interest rates. Now, 2020, we're there. We're here at this point in time. We're seeing how the market is moving. And we know that we have more opportunities available now in the marketplace with inventory actually running out the roof. Builders are not being able to build homes fast enough. Uh, we see the price of lumber is going up at this point in time, too. And we're seeing that it's getting very expensive to build a home. So home prices goes up because there's less inventory in the market. And now in 2014, when I actually was in the market for a home, that was a buyer's market, okay? A buyer market with a low interest rate and then a thriving economy. Now you go to 2022, we're looking at a seller's market. Currently at this point in time, depends on where you're staying, there may still be a seller's market in a lot of these areas, especially if you live in a major metropolitan area that's highly densely populated that don't have enough inventory out on the market for a home purchase. We're starting to see that slow down a bit here where the inventory is starting to gather up a bit, a little bit more. You're seeing homes starting to stay on the market a little bit longer than typical due to the fact that we are now seeing these higher interest rates that are still historically low compared to what we've seen in the 90s and early 2000s. But we're also seeing that higher interest rate with a slowing economy. Now, that's what's different about why I believe what we saw in 2014 and what we're seeing now in 2022 is because the marketplace is still dynamic. But what we're seeing now is that with everything in a supply chain shortage type of play, that is starting to rev up a little bit more and make people understand that having a home now is probably going to be pricing a lot of people out eventually. Now, this is why I want to make sure that we get this right. Right? I really want to make sure that we talk about this from a candid point of view of how I feel about what these interest rates are actually really doing and what this is actually going to do to a lot of people and how this really could affect our economy going forward for about a, maybe another year or two that we have not seen the effects of yet because they're going to be down the road effects that we're going to have to deal with. And I believe that this is going to leave it to where we're not going to see enough lower price housing that's going to help people in lower income ranges actually get into home build, home buying, which is unfortunate because those are the ways that they can actually grow their wealth and actually start to try to change their family tree a bit here. And we're not going to be able to see that. Like, I'm just going to say this from the military perspective. Let's just talk about this for a second now. Okay, like, I lived in San Diego in 2014 to 2020, but people are still moving to San Diego now because that's their place of duty. And and they're on military orders. And now base housing is so full because of the simple fact that it's so many people who cannot afford to even live and buy a home in California at this point in time because of how much we've seen increases in, in pricing of homes, especially with the raising rates that we're seeing too. You compound that on top. We're talking about people who need to afford a mortgage somewhere in the, in the, in the midst of thirty-five dollars to $4,000 and rent is just as expensive where you're saying rents for a two-bedroom, three-bedroom home is looking like it's going to be around twenty-seven dollars to $3,700 a month. Who can afford that at this point in time? 
and we're not seeing enough done in the economy to actually help those people who those individuals who are going to struggle in that manner and if you're talking about a military service member who has to move their family typically a military service member family is about three to four or maybe even three to six people in a home and who can afford that type of housing especially when there is no base housing available to live this is going to start to get and be an interesting time in our lives where we essentially got to figure out what's more important right like how could you afford these type of assets in your life if we are not actually doing anything in the economy and i get it i get it right now i get it that the fed is supposed to make sure that they keep inflation under control that right now everyone is still wondering if it's going to be a soft landing or anything of that sort according to what fed chairman jerome powell typically likes to say but we are still not seeing those levers being pulled to where we feel like as economists or people in the marketplace who are still trying to purchase assets that they're getting you know, the best bang for their buck because of how much we let this thing get out of control. And when you're talking about a single parent who may be actually making only forty to $45,000 and they're struggling to actually make sure that they're keeping food on the table, making sure they don't have no more debt, and they're still trying to move their family into either a better community in the apartment complex or basically trying to rent a home that's actually decent size for their family, maybe of three, maybe of four, and we're looking at what we're seeing. They're basically giving up over 50% of their income to actually afford a home to live in, whether that's rent or purchasing. That's got to change. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing lower income families being priced out of the market at this point. And that's dangerous. And we don't have the inventory to actually make up for the lack of because of materials or whatever other reasons that it's going to be. And we got to fix that. That's one of the things that we have to fix in this economy. And I don't know if we're right there yet. I don't know if we're even looking at this as a way of looking at it. Right now, every time I see a new home bill go up, it's about $400,000 in my, in my area, okay? So we're going to talk about these things. We're going to talk about some of the things that I want you to pay attention to as we go into the, the dynamics of what this market kind of looked like, okay? So... Go ahead, if you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Definitely make sure if you haven't done it already with your streaming service, go ahead and do that too. But let's start with number one, okay? Market research. Market research is important, okay? Gotta understand what the home median value is in your local community, in your local city, in your local state, okay? You gotta know these things because if you don't, know these things, this is going to put you at a disadvantage when you go into the marketplace. Okay, so let me give you an example. In Virginia, okay, April 2022 report says, for the, for the, the housing urban development report, says that the average median value price of a home in Virginia sits at $396,000, okay? So $396,000, and actually, in the report, they say that it actually has gained $25,000 worth of value year over year for the last four years, folks. In the last four years, we have seen a home in Virginia slide from $296,000 to essentially $400,000. Okay? Essentially $400,000. So, now, this is why market research is, a, is important. Knowing that, knowing what the median home value is of four hundred thousand dollars 
You need to know um, automatically in your head, can you afford a $400,000 mortgage? That's the first thing coming out of, the, out of your mind, okay? You got to understand if that's something that you can do. If that's not what you can afford at $400,000, how much home can you get for less than $400,000? That's the reason why I want you to do your market research first. So basically, you just need to add, go into your Google browser, type in home medium value in my city, home medium value in my state, whatever. Type it in and get you what that home medium value is. I kind of want you to definitely get into the weeds a bit here and look at the housing urban development reports that's coming out because they're going to tell you essentially exactly what it is. And when you get this information, this is the type of information that you use to your advantage because now that you know that $400,000 price tag is the average price that you're going to have to pay for a home, what I want you to consider then is how much home is that in your local area, okay? Like, is it going to get you a four-bedroom house or is it going to get you a three-bedroom house? Is that going to get you two bathrooms to go with it or is that going to get you two and a half baths? You got to know exactly what you're going to be able to fit into that median home value because that may be the value that you're going to have to pay to actually get into a home. So, First things first, market research is your first thing that you need to do when you're actually looking to get into the marketplace, okay? Second, second one, okay? This is very important. You want to obtain pre-approval, okay? You want to obtain pre-approval from a lender, whether that's you using a conventional, a VA loan, a FHA loan, or a USDA loan. You need to get a pre-approval done. If you don't get one of those done, it's going to be hard for you to proceed further in negotiating when you get to that level because negotiation, people want to see that you are pre-approved to actually close the deal that you're actually putting up for an offer. Now, when I say when you're doing your pre-approval, I think that it's best to shop around. Make sure that you're getting uh, maybe what you think is going to be a better deal on the front end with the lender that you're going to be actually going with. Some people have preferred lenders. Sometimes you'll deal with a realtor who has a preferred lender. And that is something that we'll talk about as you go down the road here a bit, is that you need to figure out who do you feel comfortable with giving your money to. If that person does not make you feel comfortable and make sure they're informing you or even able to assist you in understanding more logically something that you're doing, you may need to look for another lender. Okay, interviewing lenders is just as important as interviewing a realtor, which we're going to talk about here soon. But you need to know the person that you're going to actually do business with, who's going to help you get into the home that you're looking to get into, is someone that you trust and believe is doing the right thing with great intentions for you. Okay, so getting that pre-approval from a lender is important because once you get your approval stuff done, what they're going to do, basically, you got to go in and you got to show how much money that you make, you got to have the income. Then you got to actually show how much. So you got to have the assets. Then you got to actually talk about the liabilities. Okay. Then you got to give them that type of stuff. And then they're going to give you a, a measurement of your debt to income ratio. And when they give you that measurement, what you're going to do next is that you're going to have to figure out exactly what it is that you get in pre-approval for you to actually consider going forward. Okay. Where you basically get the money that you're going to be able to go. And what they typically do is they give you a range. They'll basically say, 
hey, this is what we think that you'll fit in at, but we can say that you can possibly push it to this level, okay? Like in my instance, it goes down to, hey, 450 is what we think, but we believe that you can go, you can afford all the way up to 480. And then they put that in the pre-approval letter, make sure there's no contingencies in that pre-approval letter, and that's your pre-approval letter to go shopping for a home. But you don't wanna go shopping for a home immediately right after that because there's something else that I want you to consider that you need to identify first and foremost. And this is one of those questions that you can actually deal with when you're dealing with your lender and making sure that you're understanding as well. And that's number three, identify your price range based on mortgage payment, okay? Talk to your lender. Understand that if you're getting a pre-approved for a certain amount, remember, you don't have to use the whole amount. That's not what it means. It means that if you find a house that's based on your pre-approval, let's say in my case, $450,000. If I find a home that's worth $125,000, but it's the home for me, that's the home that the lender is going to approve. That's what I mean by this, right? So this is why I say you need to figure out how much home is that amount going to make you actually have to pay out each month to maintain that mortgage. And that's what it makes is most important at that point in time. Understanding the level that you're going to have to pull to actually continue to make that payment routinely. And is that payment going to actually make you home poor or is it going to be something that you can afford routinely each and every month? Okay, so make sure that you identify your price range based on what that mortgage is going to look like overall. Okay, then number four, list important factors you require for your home purchase. All right, what do I mean by that? Do you need a fence? Do you need a garage? Do you need a pool? Whatever it is, do you need a big backyard? You need to identify those things before, before we get into our next step. And the reason why is because you want to come in clearly with what you think that you want. And we're doing this through market research now, folks. You're looking at these homes already. It's trying to get an idea of what's actually on the market. How much does it actually cost? How much extra is it going to cost me to actually get the things that I really want if the home does not come with it? This is why you're doing your market research. So let's just say that you one of your requirements that it has a fence, but you find a home underneath that $450,000 price tag that you say, this is a decent home for me. This is the house that I can see myself living in for the next five to 10 years, or maybe even the foreseeable future, okay? But it don't have a fence. Okay, so now you got to price out what the fence is going to cost. And that means you need to get three quotes, in my opinion, and then figure out if that's the right reasonable feature that you're going to need to actually get into that home. And you don't need to get quotes right now, but you definitely need to do some shopping online to see typically how much it's actually going to cost to erect the fence in your, in your state, in your city, whatever. But you need to know those values, okay? So that's important. List the important factors to you that you require for your home purchase, okay? Now, number five, obtain a realtor. This is crucial. This is very crucial here, folks, and really and truly, interviewing is important. Family, let me, let me just talk to you for a second. Interviewing your realtor is one of the most important things that you can do. We already talked about interviewing your lender, the person that you're spending money with. Interviewing your realtor is just as important as well, too, due to the simple fact 
when you interview that realtor, you're interviewing a person who's going to be your proxy, who is going to be your advocate, who's going to be your representative about how you feel about the offer that you're making to purchase a home. And that person needs to have your best intentions at heart. And typically you want a realtor who's actually going to be a teacher at heart as well, too, because that person may say this is your first home purchase. You want to understand each and everything that's going into your contracts, understanding what a deal is going to look like, how that deal is going to actually play out. You want to know all the intel detail, intricate details of understanding what it is that you are purchasing. Okay, really and truly, this is one of the most important steps that you need to do. So what are some of the questions that you want to ask a realtor? How long have you been in real estate? How many homes have you purchased? How many sales do you actually make a month? Okay. How many sales have you done in the last year? How many home clients have you helped buy property in the last year? These are things that's getting you off the ground. But then you want to go into detail. What is your passion for real estate? Why did you want to get into it? Do you see yourself continuing to do this long term? These are things that you care about because these are the things that you want to know. Definitely. Even ask, do you know what the home medium home value is? Because you've already done your research, right? So when you say how much you're pre-approved for, and then you say, I don't want to go to that level, you know that realtor understands that you have already played out your hand on, you know exactly what it is that you want, and don't try to convince me otherwise that I need something else unless there's an opportunity that comes up from a value perspective. And a lot of people actually want a realtor who's an investor. And here's the reason why you want a realtor who's an investor. Because if you get one of those, they can find you a needle in a haystack that you would not typically find and actually help you negotiate a nice price on that type of property that you may be able to close on. Now, other things that you may want to consider when it comes to your realtor, are they a good communicator? You won't know that until you actually start to deal with them. But... Definitely, if you set the expectations that you need to be informed, that you want to be, you know, understanding what is going on with the home that you're trying to purchase, this will kind of help you stay on the right page. Okay. And this is one of the, this is like a tag team partner that you are not going to be able to like, uh, turn your back on when you're actually in the trenches in, in fighting the NWO. Okay. Like this is where you're at. You and this person is going to actually go to war, go to bat to try to get you the home that you actually think that is part of your, your life that you need to have for the foreseeable future. And if you don't interview that person, you don't know if that person will be the right ideal fit for you and making that deal come to fruition. So interview your realtor. Okay. Interview your realtor. So then we get to number six. The home search. This is the most fun part, right? This is where everything that the MLS, the MLS listings are coming in um, from your realtor. A lot of people like to pick their phone up and look on Redfin. A lot of people like to look at Zillow, whatever other home application that you want to look at, right? And go out and do searching for homes, okay? This is what I recommend, folks. Just some pointers, right? You can figure this out on your own, too. But just some pointers that I, I think about when it comes down to home searching. If you're looking for, say, let's go a three bedroom. But let, let's, no, let, let's go four bedroom. Let's go a four bedroom, two bath, two and a half bath. 
home. That's what you're looking for. Don't lock in your criteria as on the searching of four beds, two and a half baths. Okay, don't do that because you do that, it excludes some things, right? I would recommend, if anything, if you're going to four bedroom, two and a half baths, lock it in at four, right? Lock it in the bedrooms at four because that's what you want, four plus. But then also lock in the bathrooms at two plus because you may find some typical things here where it may be in situations where you may find an investor property, okay? And that's more important because if you're finding you an investor property, you can actually get a property for less value, but it's going to give you more bang for your buck over the period of time. Because now you can do some minor cosmetic changes to the home that's going to build you out a better property overall. Okay, so definitely make sure your home search, you and your realtor is on the same page about what you're looking for. Kind of kind of trim the research fundamentals a bit here so that way that you can get you a home that's going to fit the dynamic of what you're trying to do. Okay, and give yourself flexibility. Give yourself flexibility in the home that you are trying to purchase. Okay, so after you find a home, after you found a home that you found is the best one for you, the ideal fit for you and your family, right? The next thing that's up on that list, the offer. Number seven, okay? Number seven is the offer. Now, to me, you want to make an informed decision with your realtor's input on the offer. What do I mean by that? Well, your realtor has been, depends on the realtor that you're in, you, you interview and the realtor that you selected, your realtor probably is going to have more than two to three years of experience or even more, some 10, 20 years of experience in the real estate market. And they have dealt with the market that you're currently trending in currently at this point in time. They are going to have well more information to provide you on what that type of offer it needs to look like to get that home purchased. Now, they're not telling you this is the price that you need to pay to get that home. They're advising you, your relative should be advising you to actually think of and consider this type of offer that's actually needed to get the home done, get the closing deal done that you actually want. Now, to me, you have to know how much that you can actually put up on making this deal done. Now, right now in Virginia, you're dealing with appraisal gaps in a lot of ways, okay? I did a video on appraisal gaps uh, recently. Uh, you want to check it out, I'll leave a link in the description. And we'll put it as a card in the video. But definitely, when you're thinking about these things, you got to take that into consideration. You may have to put more cash on top of the property. It depends on the market that you're in, okay? To actually get that, that seller to be incentivized to give you the deal to actually get out the house. It's kind of where we're at now in certain areas, folks. And fam, if you don't make an informed decision with your realtor's input, you're wasting opportunities, okay? You're wasting opportunities. Now, even with that being said, though, that does not mean that you are going to win the deal. So that leads me to number eight. Don't get discouraged, okay? You will find the right home for your season of life, okay? Let me say that again. Don't get discouraged. You will find the right home for your season of life. What does that mean? So to me, it means that just because you found a home that you think it fits all the, the check marks, 
on your checklist that you have that you are wanting to go with, that you feel that's going to be the most dynamic place for you, doesn't mean that it's not on somebody else's checklist too, folks. Okay? This is an opportunity for you to understand that maybe, just maybe, there's a reason why that home was not meant for you. Okay? And it does not mean that there will not be another opportunity that arises for you to actually find a home for you as well. So, do not get discouraged. Understand where you made a mistake at. Learn from the mistake in the offer. If you can't, maybe, maybe your realtor can give get some insight from the, the listing agent on why your deal was just not as impactful enough to get the deal done. And then take that into remediation. Understand that. Listen to what your realtor gives you back on, on feedback that they receive, that they receive any, because a listing agent don't have to do that either. But if they do, understand maybe you need to incorporate some of that into your next deal. Okay, to get the house that you actually want. Just remember, you will find the home that's right for you in your particular season of life. Okay, I think that's important. I think that's important. So when you do get the deal done, when you do get the offer accepted, then you start your underwriting process. Okay, underwriting. I always want to make sure I say this. Make sure your funds are in order and minimize spending while you're in underwriting. Family, this is important, okay? Check this out. Make sure you have your money set aside for closing. Make sure you have your money set aside for appraisal. Make sure you have your money set aside if you have to pay for the termite inspection. Have all those things together. Do not let a contingency go against you because you did not prepare with the right amount of funds, okay? And have your earnest money ready to go as well, too, because they're going to want that immediately to be sent over to the titling company, the escrow company, to make sure that your earnest money is good to go and that you are willing to say that you're ready to close this deal, okay? So definitely don't wait. Don't hesitate to get things done for your lender that they need to get you into underwriting. The sooner you get it over there, the sooner it gets reviewed, it gets reviewed. If you've got questions on it, you can give feedback to the questions that they ask. Get this deal closed when you're ready because now you are on the cusp of grabbing the home for your season of life that you are ready for, okay? So don't hesitate. Realize that you need to get these things done. Make sure that you be communicating with your lender back and forth on things that you know that you need to get finished and communicate what's holding it back so that way they can help you if they can help you in some type of way. The main thing is, though, is Making sure that you are ready to get the closing, whether that's you having closing, whether that's somehow the seller has alleviated that stress of the closing by actually paying the closing costs for you. And if that's the case, folks, it should be no reason that you don't turn in anything on time, when on time that you need it for that lender to get this thing closed because somebody else has already taken the bag for you and said they're going to pay it. Okay, so don't hesitate in underwriting. Make sure your funds are right and make sure that you minimize spending. Don't go out there spending things on your credit cards. Don't go out there to buy, oh, I'm about to get this house. I need to go and uh, finance some furniture. All that can eradicate the deal and then you're back to square root one and you may even lose your pre-approval. Okay, so don't do any of those things. If you're going to go out and go shopping, 
Wait till you've gotten the home done deal. 24 hours after you put those keys in your hands, go do whatever it is that you choose that you want to go do, but still make sure that you don't mess up your underwriting process, okay? Then number 10, the move. The move is important too because it may be one of those things where you are going to do the move yourself. You're going to ask for assistance from friends, family, whatever. Or you're going to purchase the opportunity for movers to come move your stuff. If you are, definitely make sure that you strategically think about those things and understand what they look like and go about it that way. These are some of the things that I believe is essential to actually making sure that your purchasing of your next home, especially at this point in time where we're seeing in 2022, is important. Okay. Now, let's say two, three years from now when you come back, find me for the first time, uh, you find me on YouTube, you listen to this on podcast, whatever. You're listening to me at that point in time. I believe that some of these things, if not all of these things, are still going to be prevalent at that point in time. So don't dismiss what I'm telling you today as, oh, this is just a bleep on the radar. No, folks, this is what I believe the economy is looking like right now. And this is why I'm talking to you about these things this way, because I want for you to be prepared. The more preparation that you do will be key later on, because patience, patience in this housing search is going to be paramount and key for you finding a home for your particular season of life. Okay, so when you get in your home, right, let's say you get through all the process, get in your home. Don't run out, in my opinion. You can do whatever you want to, but don't run out and just start to purchase each and everything that you think that you need that's essential for your home. Think about it. Think about the process. Live in the house. Give yourself time to see what is really going on within your home that you really don't like, that you identify with that needs to be fixed. And you're like, okay, these are the things that I really want to make priority to get done. Now, I do know you may want to go out and buy a grill. You may want to go out and buy a lawnmower. You may want to go out and get some rugs, the area rugs for things in your house. Things of those natures, I got it. Some things that you just want to do, you got to do because you just want to do them. But when it comes to these major projects, like maybe like working on a garage, changing out a bedroom, fixing this, doing it. Think about those for a minute. Think about how it's going to affect you long term in this home. Is it something that you really can live with or can you live without? And really and truly during this time frame, this gives you a 30 to 90 day window, in my opinion, before you do your first major project to kind of see how your finances are still looking after you've moved into this home. All right. This gives you a couple of electric bills. This gives you a couple of water bills. This gives you, you know, just that time to understand, can I live with this? How do I minimize this expense? Those are the details that you need to pay attention to as well. Then. Then you make your priority list after you make your priority list on the things that you want to do from a project perspective. This is how you get impactful and start moving towards those once a quarter, every 90 days, maybe even once a, every two times a year, every six months or so. You may decide that I want to focus on this project, get this project done. And then when it's done, maybe take a break three to four months. And then you say, you know what, we're going to fill back up our cash reserves on project money and go back out to another project. Just some thoughts, folks. So 
I talk to you a lot. I talk to you a lot about how I feel, about how you can utilize some of the tips that I've given you today on building out your next home purchase or if this is going to be your first home purchase. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I have never used, okay, so let me be candid here. I have never used a conventional loan. I've never used the FHA loan. And I've never used a USDA loan as well. But I definitely have used the VA loan twice, okay? And it has been seamless. Negotiating power is still there. Um, everyone is closing around the same time from what I've seen. Only time I've been beaten out on offer with my VA loan is uh, basically, it's been a, a more cash offer. So it's based on my my focus of how much cash to put in on a deal. So you have the power in your control to actually get the home that you want and the home that you can afford by actually working through this process and understanding the market. And it goes back to number one, market research is essential. Okay. So man, I hope y'all found value in that. I hope that y'all found value in that. And like I said, if you're listening to this on stream, Definitely DM me and let me know what you think on Instagram or Twitter about what it is that you found important or what I may have even missed. And definitely on YouTube, comment down below and let me know as well, too, if you're viewing this on YouTube as well. Man, I felt like this was an awesome experience to spend this time with y'all just to kind of like give my thoughts on, on real estate at this point in time. And I want to do more shows like this and I'm going to continue to do shows like this. So feedback, feedback is important. Let me know. What is the things that you liked about the show? What is the things that you would want to hear more about? Some of the questions that you may have. And definitely, we're going to come back and wrap those up too. And let me know if there's interviews that you want to see that on this type of topic. Let me know what you got questions on that maybe we can bring in a guest as well too. Hey, it's been your boy Craig. You already know what time it is. I'll catch y'all in the next one. Peace.